0: Well, guys, it's really great to be here. Um, my name's Rob. Um, my wife will not laugh at this, but I'm from Basildon. Uh, she always says, "Please, can you say we're from Wickford?" Yeah. Uh, not quite sure why that is. And uh, when I'm when I'm elsewhere, um, if I say I'm from Basildon and I'm from Essex, then it really creates a bit of humour. Um, and uh, I got a friend. Is the the Director General of the Evangelical Alliance, his name is Steve Clifford, and he often says, "Does anything good come out of basildon and uh, so i'll leave you to decide at the end of uh, this talk whether that is actually true or not um, yeah so we we have Julian and Winnie Banoff coming to be with us on Thursday, and uh, yeah we're ex- we're looking forward to A really wild evening. Um, I think there might be some guys coming from here. Um, I said to my wife, you'll be really interested to see who turns up, not this Sunday, but next Sunday, because, you know, Georgian and Winnie have the potential to just upset the religious. And so, um, you know, and I come from a church where we, we have a few religious people, so it'd be interesting to see how they. How they respond. Um, I I guess you guys are not religious, so it, it, you're going to just love it. Um, but we from Basildon, you know, you really got to prove yourself um, as, a, as a person before we accept you. <laughs> so um, I'm going to be talking from John 9. I just need to check. What time do I need to finish so that I'm, I'm bang? Quarter past. Quarter past. Okay, so I, I just wanted to share something, some prophetic words first and... Uh, I think you stood over the back and I just felt the Lord wanted to say to you that he wants you to feel really accepted. And sometimes you feel disqualified. The word I got was disqualified and I just wanted to say that the Father says to you, you are not disqualified in any way. You are free to come to him. So I just leave that. I don't know if it means much, um, but i have learning to just be obedient to the, to the prompting of the Spirit. And uh, you know, I, was a, I was at North Kent the other week, and uh, you know, they're, they're, they're such a positive environment. And uh, I felt God speaks to me to a, about a guy uh, who I know, he connected with me on Facebook, and the word I got, I, I kind of put in my mind was extremely negative. So when the guy, when God downloaded something, I, I just thought, you know, I, I don't think in this environment I want to share it. But I'm learning to to just be obedient. So I spoke to this guy. I just said, look, you can, it's a bit negative, and I don't mean it to be, because I know we're in North Kent, and I guess you don't have negative words here. But I just wanted to share this and uh, I shared it and the guy said to me, do you know what, uh, Rob, that was the most accurate uh, prophetic word that I've ever received. So I just throw that in, that sometimes when we think we're not kind of hearing God, that actually we are. So I I don't want to put any pressure on you, of course, you need to weigh whatever's shared. But learning to just be obedient um, to to the Father is... Uh, just really important and uh, so I knew I was coming to, to speak here and I've got four or five different speaking engagements over the next couple of weeks and uh, so I'm flying to Hong Kong as you don't do very often but I'm flying to Hong Kong so I'm, so I'm goodness knows where I was probably over to Everest or something like that and I was reading from John 9 and uh, the Lord said to me I want you to share this with the guys at Oasis Church. So I I just thought, well, that's great. When God gives you a message two or three weeks beforehand, you don't have to do too much work because normally, uh, well, when you come to visit somewhere, you're you're walking around and you're saying, you know, God, what is it you want me to say? Because I really want to impress these guys and it would really be nice if I was invited back at least once. (laughs) Because if you're not invited back again, you realise it probably causes a load of offence. And uh, as I come from Basildon, you know, we can be offensive. So I, I ask your forgiveness if this comes across as offensive <laughs> in any way, shape or form. Um, it doesn't. It isn't intended. So, um, so the Lord spoke to me about speaking to you from John 9. And uh, I'm just going to throw in some context. We, we haven't really got time to read it, so I just hope that you'll be looking at this chapter as, as, I, as I speak. Um, if you're looking at your mobile phone, I'm going to assume that you're looking at this rather than texting your friends on Facebook or doing a, a WhatsApp or whatever it is. But uh, here we have this story. And it's really interesting that John 9 just is a, is a chapter that f- focuses on one incident and one incident only. And there is a... First of all, uh, the story occurs around the Feast of Tabernacles. Okay, so... Uh, um, I'm, re- I'm really glad I'm here because... When God speaks to you about a church that you don't know, it's really great because you don't know anything and so you can share what prophetically I feel is being downloaded. And I just want to say to you guys, this is temporary, okay? The Feast of Tabernacles is about going out of your house and living in a booth for a week. And I just felt as, you know, being here... This is temporary. This isn't your your final destination as a church. There is a building for you. But this is your booth. Okay, this is just... And Tabernacles is a seven-day period. So I just Feast of Tabernacles is a seven-day period. So I just want to, you to know, understand. I, you probably know this already, but this isn't your final destination as a community. And... Um... So this chapter is focused on one incident, and it's about a healing of a blind guy that really upsets the religious. Um, So there's Jesus, he's the central character, just want to put that in, we gather around him, and uh, so if... One of the things is, guys, if if I don't come across as joyful this morning, then you need to ask who I'm gathering around. Because the Word of God says that in His presence, there is fullness of joy. And my wife and I, we're just beginning to learn what that means, just to consistently be joy-filled. As a church leader... I have a lot of difficult people in my life. You, you guys, you guys are not like that, but you know, I have guys that just are difficult, and they can crush joy. But my choice is: do I allow myself to be joyless? See, no one can take your joy from you except yourself. And my wife and I, we're, we're just learning as, as our churches that he is just very, very good. And the more that we focus on his goodness, the more joy we have. The world is looking for people who will make a difference. They're, they've had enough bad news. They're looking for us, you and I to be so filled with joy. And you see, that that's what Jesus does. He, he transforms situations and circumstances. And so you, you have Jesus, who's the central character. You have the blind man. Then you have his parents. Then you have the Pharisees. The, well, you know, I used to be a Pharisee. <laughs> Yeah, I just like to focus on the negative. (laughs) Always found something to criticise. Oh, that worship song just missed it. The truth is we miss it all the time. (laughs) But that was excellent this morning. Thank you. I just want to encourage you. That was beautiful this morning. It drew us into his presence. And in his presence there is such goodness. And the truth is that so often we miss that. We miss his goodness because we major on minor stuff. You you know, we we just do, don't we? We, With our kids, you know, I remember my daughter. um, She got 96% in an exam, which was stunning for a Pernell, I have to say, you know, uh, we're not the most intelligent, and uh, <laughs> so my daughter comes away and she says, Dad, I've got 96%. You know what I said to her? What, what was the 4% you got wrong? <laughs> How nuts is that? <laughs> yeah, you know, as if I got 96% all the time. I, if I'd have got 90 percent I would have, I'd have gone to Cambridge, I guess. My son-in-law, is a pilot, and uh, he, he, he is a pilot with Cafe Pacific. And when he was going for his training, I used to ask him what scores he got. Because obviously, I want to just say, you want a plane to take off and land exactly the same amount of times, <coughs> especially when you're on it. <laughs> so he would say, oh, I got 98%, 99%. And his score throughout his whole training for a year and a half his average score was something like 98.7%. Absolutely amazing. But I said to him, what was the little bits you got wrong? You know, Because someone who's religious always looks for the bits that don't work and misses the huge stuff that God is doing. And joy means we don't focus on the negatives. That doesn't mean to say that they're not there, but we focus on what God is doing. And so we have this story, as I love, and the disciples, they're the ones who start the question. They say to Jesus when they see this blind man, so who sinned? It's just a the question they ask. Who sinned? And so often... We focus around sin, what the enemy's doing, bad attitudes, people that upset us, people that get under our nose. We just have a, well, you probably don't, but you're from Chelmsford, which is the post part of Essex, really. Uh, in Basildon, you know, I have people come up to me all the time in our church and go, you know, that, that cup of tea was cold. We've got a brand new building and the tea's cold. <laughs> or we just had new settees and armchairs delivered this week, and I'm sure people aren't going to like the colours. Or they don't. Or you know, they're just hard to sit on. I mean, we we have we have moved from about 15 different buildings over 30 years. We've now got our own building, but we still have people that find something to moan about. I live in the Valley of the Moaners. (laughs) A building from zero to 1.4 million over four years, and we still find things to moan about. And so these disciples were with Jesus, been walking with him for a long time, and they just said, who sinned? I mean, I just think these guys are bonkers because... You know, Jesus didn't really focus too much on sin. I find it really interesting that when he healed the sick, he didn't give them Christianity Explored course or Alpha or a Sozo session. It's kind of interesting because, you know, I I think that's what they need. He would just say, the kingdom of God has come near. Sorry, Pete, I'm looking at you as a sinner. (laughs) (laughs) The kingdom of God has come near. Go away and sin no more. And then he just walked off and left them. Startling. This is the king of kings and lord of lords who's come to bring the kingdom and yet he doesn't seem to focus on sin too much. Interesting. So the disciples, you know, why did they ask this question? I guess it's probably found in earlier parts of John. But Jesus says... Is it him or is it his parents? And Jesus says, it's none of that. Which I find really startling. Because, you know, we all know the Old Testament. It says the sins of the fathers will be visited upon to the third and fourth generation. Jesus said, neither. And then he says, this has been here so that God's glory can be revealed. I just want to say here, God doesn't give you sickness to teach you a lesson. So if you go to just jump a little bit forward, John 10.10 10 says that the enemy has come to rob, kill and destroy. But I have come to give life and life in all its fullness. And I want to live in life in all its fullness. I have been robbed for so many years of my Christian walk because I've had a mindset that has been focused on what's wrong as opposed to what God is doing. And I just want to say, guys, if you want to get where God wants you to go, you have to allow your mindsets to be renewed. Um, That's my suggestion to you. Okay, I, I need to be careful. I don't want to put anything on you that's not there. The other thing I notice in this story is that the blind man never asked to be healed, which is startling as I read it this morning. I thought, he didn't even ask to be healed, which is, you know, permission-based. You know, yesterday um, I was walking through, I like having encounters, okay? I, I like to give people an opportunity to have encounters with Jesus. I'm walking, we had a ladies' conference in our church yesterday. I'm walking up just to open up. And I haven't had many encounters since I got back from Hong Kong So, with, with what I call the people the streets. Not, I've had encounters with Christians, but I love having encounters with people that don't yet know him. So I'm walking up to the church, and an old guy comes along, and he says, you're going to the doctors. I thought, do I look sick? <laughs> he said, because there's a long queue out the door. So I went, oh. Uh, are you ill? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in. am I said, so are you ill? He said, no, I've just gone for my flu injection. So I went, oh, great, he's not going to ask me. I said, well, if you, if you were ill, I said, I'm a lover of Jesus and I would have loved to pray for you. He said, oh, that's really nice. He said, but I'm not ill, I'm really well. I've just gone for my flu jab, which, fine. And then we, we both looked up and the, because it was such a beautiful blue sky, you could see where all the, jet, the planes had gone and left their, their jet stream. And they were all crisscrossed. And I said, isn't it amazing how many planes are in the sky? And he said, yeah. He said, uh, yeah, it really is, isn't it? And we were just talking and he, you know, this a quite a random conversation. And he said, you know what, I've never flown. I went, is, is that true? He said, yeah. He said, uh, I'm just scared of flying. I went, oh. oh. My son-in-law he's a pilot, you know, just a... And uh, yeah, I love flying. And I said, you know what, can I pray for you? He said, why is that? I said, because... God doesn't want to give you any fear. Yeah, yeah, that would be really great. So me and David, his name is, we held hands in the middle of the alleyway. I just cast off fear of him, asked God to encounter him, Jesus to touch him. And, you know, I said, I mean, thank you, David. I said, you know, he goes, where do you live? I thought, oh, crumbs, getting a bit intimate here. I said, oh, I live on the wick. He said, oh, I said, but I go to to Miracle House. This is the church that we we have, and some of you will be there on Thursday. He said, uh, said, "I, I, I go to your coffee shop. I went, oh, that's fantastic. He said, oh, yeah. He said, I just want to say, the girl you've got behind the counter is one of the most happiest people that I've ever met. And tell her that she's really great. See, people are looking for encounter. They're not looking to be told they're bad. I believe the people of Chelmsford are not looking to be told they're bad. They know that already. They are looking for an encounter. You are the God carrier. You are the co-heir. You carry his presence <laughs> therefore you have the privilege of being the encounter that people see and i i reckon over the last 3 or 4 years i've prayed for maybe 400 people on the streets some have been healed some have been in tears But my motive has always been not to get them to church, not to get them to Christianity Explored, but to get them the opportunity of having the encounter. And that's what Jesus did with this guy. He was blind. He didn't even go up to him and say, excuse me, can I pray for you? He wasn't a polite charismatic. He went up and said, (laughs) Bat into his hand, picked up some mud, did a bit of kneading and then slapped it on his eyes and said, go to the pool of Siloam, which means sent, and there's a spiritual, there's a theological discussion there we haven't got time for, and go and wash yourself. Wow. I wonder what would happen if I did that to the to the average man in Basildon. <laughs> Go to the crouch and wash yourself. I I'm not sure what would happen. Okay, but anyway, this guy he shoots off. So I guess he must have had some friends with him because they he's blind. I mean. And he comes back and he can see. Wow. So now the stories. Beginning, beginning to get interesting. He can see. And the, and the story's pretty bland. You know, if, put it this way. When I see someone who sees and they've been blind, I hope when they come back to me, they're a little bit more excited. I can see. I, I hope they're, whoa! I have been blind since birth. And the first face I get to see is your face, Robin. Boy, are you good looking. <laughs> or the other way around who knows excitement i think there would have been excitement in this environment wow i can see the people who knew him said it can't be him because he was blind from birth he looks like him and he says no i'm really it i can see i can see i can see Oh, this has upset the environment of this this town. Because wherever the presence of the king comes, it upsets the environment, the culture. The Holy Spirit is not tidy, in our sense of tidiness. He is intentional about revealing what the Father is like. Really intentional. And our our towns and cities, they need to be disrupted with the presence of God. Brilliant testimony about the workplace. Absolutely fantastic. Our government, my prayer is that I will meet David Cameron he will come and ask me for advice because he needs Christians around him in order to answer the questions that our world is facing. We need to see that we are powerful, not powerless. We need to, if you want to start moving in the miraculous, you need to start with the people that are around you. There is need in every sphere of society. I was listening um, to Joachim Evans on Wednesday And he said, wherever he goes, people are healed, whether he gives an appeal for healing or not. Wherever Jesus is, the sick get healed. I have an expectation now that wherever I go, whether I give an appeal for healing or not, there are people that are just going to start to be healed because of the presence that I carry. He is here. So there might even be today healings loosed and you don't know it. Because no one's laid hands on you, he is just here. I believe we need to rise up in our expectation of what God is doing. Do not limit yourself by your experience, but limit yourself with what the word of God says. So Jesus heals the blind man. He hasn't been asked to be healed, but he has been healed. And all of a sudden, they then say, well, let's take him to the religious they are the Pharisees. And just listen to, what, to the dialogue that goes on. The first thing is, there's a debate. Who did it? And these guys were upset because Jesus did it on the Sabbath. Who does he think he is? He's... Needed some mud on the Sabbath, which is against the law. You do not need on the Sabbath. And I'm talking about needing, that's like bread. So that's what religion does it starts to take you back to the past, to experience. And most of us here today, we haven't experienced the full manifestation of the presence of God. So if we go on our experience, we are going to be torn down rather than lifted up. Anytime there's a move of God, anytime there's God working in an environment, the religious always get rattled. And they generally, after a period of time, they leave and find somewhere else. And I have to say, Whilst we don't want you to go, I'm more about him than I am about you. Okay? We're not causing offence, but religion always puts a lid on God. I think I'm still safe here, Pete. So they're upset because God has moved. Because religion keeps us safe. It always causes us to argue and disagree. It creates a perfection culture. It creates fear rather than freedom. And Jesus is saying, I've come to give you life and life in all its fullness. So, so the and then the blind man, at the end of all of this debate, he turns around and he says, He's a prophet. Jesus is a prophet. Well, that really upset them. How can you lecture us when you've been in sin since birth? Whew, hard language. Not rejoicing over what God has done, but immediately putting labels on people. Have you noticed that with the religious? Rob's a heretic. Sometimes, <laughs> sorry. yes, sometimes I make mistakes, sometimes I get it wrong, but it's all for him. You have to, your children have to ride a bike and fall off before they can ride a bike perfectly. So we have to create environments where it's okay to make mistakes. I know that you're doing that here. I just want to quickly read these verses because they're really key. Verse 25. He replied, this is the blind man to the Pharisees, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Verse 27, he answered, I have told you already and you did not listen. What do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciple too? Ooh, he, this guy's really rattling. The Pharisees. You see, have you noticed that religious people always seem to be angry with someone or about something taking place in the church? The music's too loud. The children are not quiet. People's approach to communion. I'm just going through my experience. Rob, you're letting that person take communion. Yes. It's not my place to judge them. All I need to say is, if you drink this in an unworthy manner, you drink judgment upon yourself. I am not the arbiter of whether your life is right or wrong. It's not... Pete isn't either. Just let that sink in. Who's the arbiter? Him. That's what conviction does. You know when you're doing something that you shouldn't do. Generally. When I drove here, I tried to keep to the speed limit. Because I knew that I was be speaking here and I wanted to be squeaky clean. (laughs) When I go home, I'm not speaking, so I'm going to just, you know, not going to worry too much. And then you've got verse 34. This is the Pharisees' response. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. So the blind man, didn't ask to be healed, got thrown out. And then Jesus comes to him and says, you've been thrown out. Do you believe in the son of man? And the guy says, yes. Who is he, sir? The man says, tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. This blind man is getting revelation of the son. So what is it Rob's trying to say? And these are some points that I just sense that the Lord is asking me to say to you as an Oasis Church. Using this story as a backdrop, there's a lot more we could say. There isn't the time. But I just wanted to set a scene. And if I've said anything that's caused you offence, I really apologise. I'm not here to offend you. I'm just here to make you kind of think. Be challenged. Look at things in a different way, perhaps. And the first thing is, and I I say this, and I didn't realise, but there's a guy here who's quite creative. He actually did some design work for us. He was here a moment ago. That's right. Yeah, he did some years ago. He d- designed a brochure for us. I didn't realise you he was here. He used to work for Visa V. But the word of the Lord that said to me this morning, as I as I put this together, as He is very creative. God is creative. And he wants you to continue to pursue creativity in all areas of Oasis Church. I believe that you carry a creative gifting that you need to press into. And uh, so Jesus was creative. He spat and got... Got some mud. That was a creative healing. It wasn't the way he normally did it. I couldn't find any other references where he did that. But on that occasion, he did something that was quite odd because he could have just touched him and said, be healed. He didn't. He said, do this, do that. Forgive me for my saliva. Someone in, in, in 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 a theological book that I read, it said, you know, some people feel in the religious context that religious men's saliva carries some real power. I mean, I don't want to set a theological standpoint on spitting. Okay, I've got the ministry of spitting. I'm not encouraging you to go around Chelsea spitting in people's faces or anything like that. I'm just saying, be creative. (laughs) I believe that he is changing mindsets in this community. And you have to continue to allow that. Changing mindsets. Romans 2, or 12 verse 2. But I I just felt there was a check in my spirit to say to you, be gentle with one another as you process changing mindsets. You will do it at different paces to each other. Be gentle. Your biggest threat, and you've got to weigh this as a church, is a a withdrawal back to a religious mindset. A withdrawal back to how you used to be. And I know that you've, Peter's told me this, you've been on a journey where people have left. Be careful that you don't go back to what you used to be. And then in verse 39... And, and I, is that God is leading you as a church into a new landscape. He's leading you where you've not been before. And in some ways, because of that, there is a feeling of being outcast. A feeling of being pushed out of something. I, I want to say to you, and I say this, I don't know anything really, but God is leading you to a new landscape, Pete. He is giving you 2020 vision. So you were blind to some stuff, and now he is unblinding you to something that you've never seen before. The religious don't get it, but you are going to see things much clearer than before. And then there are new relationships are forming. In that verse 35, do you believe in the Son of Man? Jesus was affirming the guy who felt outcast. Being cast out of the synagogue was helpful for the blind man's spiritual development. Hang around the religious, what do you get? Religion. <laughs> Sorry. You're all sitting there laughing in. Hang around glory carriers, what do you get? Glory. And... uh, that's what I just felt God wanted me to bring to you guys. So thank you.) Thank you.